Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Today, we're, we're going to honor you even more by things that we're actually doing, like leading people to Christ or baptizing people in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, please receive our adoration and worship and encourage us to continue doing what you're asking us to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Tell someone next to you, you're glad to have them in the house of God this morning. Today's going to be a different message because you know how we're, we spoke on the Ten Commandments and we're always asking you to do something and maybe correct some things that you're doing wrong. Today's about what you're doing right. Amen. I know some of you are disappointed. <laughs> you brought your steel-toed shoes in today and you were ready for, me, that, for them to get hammered on. But today's what you're doing right. We as a church are helping others come to know Jesus Christ and minister to others in the name of Jesus. There's a passage you won't have on the screen. Matthew 25, 40 says, I guarantee this truth. Whatever you did for one of my brothers or sisters, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did it for me. So what we're going to talk about this morning are things that we're doing through ministries and through missions that honor our Lord and Savior. And he is welcome here this morning. So I want to share with you this morning that when you give, when you give, this is not a tithe message, but when you give, we want you to see what those resources are going to this morning and how it honors our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Sharing materially with those who spread the gospel is our privilege and our responsibility. You see, some God has called to make their livelihood off the gospel. Yes, the scripture encourages that in 1 Corinthians 9, 14. The Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. That's us in the ministry and those who are on the mission field. I don't know if you know it, but this church, which is not great in size, last year, if we count what we gave to the Covenant Church that was supposed to pay us, and they were going to leave this facility. They were going to leave this facility. We told them to stay here. They had an office, and they ran their Korean ministry, their South Korean ministry here. Count, we actually gave about dollars $27,000 last year to missions, but if we count what we gave to them, we gave over $77,000 to Jesus Christ. Amen? This church. So we want you to hear what we are doing in the name of Jesus Christ. But first, I want you to understand something. God has left us with a mission, individually and collectively, and that is to be light and salt and to share the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.18 reminds us of our individual responsibility and privilege to represent our Lord Jesus Christ here on the face of this earth. Here it is, beginning in verse 18. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, 
And God has given us the task of reconciling. If you have a hard time with that word, think about restoring, restoring. So God has given us the task of restoring people to him because we rebelled against him, every man and woman. And now through Jesus Christ, we restore that rebellious creature to embrace Jesus Christ. That's our individual responsibility. Let's continue. For God was in Christ when he walked the face of this earth, restoring or reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against him. And all God's people said, hallelujah. I thank God regularly for that gift of forgiveness. And then he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation or restoring relationships with him. So we, you and me, are God's ambassadors. We don't need titles. We don't need badges. We're just his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Have you ever witnessed to someone and said, God is speaking to you through me? Now, it's not a new revelation. It is old revelation that I'm speaking, that you're speaking to whoever you're speaking to. God is making his appeal to you. Come, repent of your sins and believe in my son and I will give you forgiveness and I'll make peace with you. That's what the good news is all about. He said, we, that's you and me, speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be offered for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's our individual privilege and responsibility. When you got saved and when I got saved, it was like someone wound me up and automatically what came out my mouth was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When my favorite football player or my favorite golfer is doing great, I can't help but talk about Tebow, Tebow. Do you know he's going to be playing this coming year? Oh, I better, it's going to be a lot about a Tebow next year. But my favorite golfer, I can't play enough tapes. I can't play enough reels. I can't play enough videos on my favorite person. When you get saved and I get saved, the Holy Spirit's in you, and he causes you to want to talk about someone you've never seen, someone you really have never heard much about, and all of a sudden, you're like a computer over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen? He does that. It is God that is at work in you, not you. It is God that is at work in you, causing you to speak forth his name. You actually have to go like this for him not to come out. And that's what we're supposed to do individually. Now, we're supposed to do things collectively also. That's the Great Commission spelled out in Matthew. Many of you who are new to the faith might not understand this, but just before Jesus left, he gave us a very important command or an instruction. That's found in Matthew 28. Then Jesus, as he's about to leave and go up in the air, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey some things I've commanded you. See, everything. He wants us to speak forth the truth. So when you come to Victory Life Church, guess what? You're going to get the whole truth 
and nothing but the truth, so help me God. That's something we deliver here at VLC. And he continues to tell them, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very ends of the age. It's talking about the church scattering to win the loss in all sorts of ways, and we're going to talk about some of those ways this morning. But please, don't confuse the commandment with the privilege of worshiping, fellowshipping, singing, studying, teaching about God when the church comes together. Don't confuse being scattered with gathering. Let me make it my point another way. I believe it's a big mistake when we sacrifice the saints who gather to worship God on the altar of winning the lost. Did you get that? Let me say that one more time again. I think it's a big mistake when we sacrifice the saints gathering to worship on the altar of Let's do everything for the lost. Let's make our church look like it's a place for the lost. Let's talk about music they sing when they're around the lost people. Let's do everything for the lost people. I thought it was about Jesus Christ. I thought it was about him who did something for him. I thought it was about him dying on the cross and we gather to worship him. Then we go out and win the lost. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. And many of our churches are sacrificing, teaching the saints and worshiping God, saying, well, God called us to win the lost. So we're going to compromise the truth of God. We're going to be shallow on the truth of God. We're going to have gospel lights because we don't want to offend the lost. <laughs> Guess what? The Bible offends the lost. Amen? That's what we do here. We're bold for Jesus Christ. Well, what are some of the things that we do? What are the some of the, the first thing I want to say is we support a mission or a mission, missionary or missions called, guess what? Village Hymns. I know it seems kind of selfish, but my son actually started this ministry. He actually teaches people how to worship God. I never knew how to worship God. All I knew how to do was get down. And I thought that was worship. I didn't realize I was worshiping Satan. I'm on the highway to hell, you know, all that kind of jazz and music for hours and hours with it going around and round. Someone taught me how to worship God. I, I think someone came here recently and said to us very lovingly, hey, you guys actually sing in the name of Jesus. You pray in the name of Jesus, and then you speak about Jesus. Oh, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. So we support village hymns. You know, the Bible tells us when we gather together, we're to worship him. It's not about the loss at that moment. Do you agree with that? Amen. Okay, I didn't know if I was speaking to uh, in a foreign language. I was about to ask an interpreter to come up here and help me. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, not to neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Ephesians 5.19 addressing one another in psalms. Some of you don't like to sing. That's okay, but you can hymn. You, I mean, you can hum. I'm glad some of you don't sing. <laughs> sing hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. He wants us to do that together. I mean, I, every time I see us and hear us singing praises to God, I always remember, God, 
this isn't unusual because we sing the praises of our favorite and you fill in the blank. We sing their praises. We talk about them. I know every time I go to get my haircut, all I hear about is the greatest basketball players over and over again. And when you come to church, all you hear about is Tim Tebow over and over again. <laughs> We're supposed to sing about Jesus. And this 1 Timothy 4.23 reminds us of something else. Until I come, he said, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhort and to teach. So that's what the church is supposed to be about. So actually, we support a ministry that helps people understand the church is about worship. And they teach each other and they write with each other, and those songs go into all the churches so one denomination isn't singing one type of music and another denomination is singing a different type of, of songs. We as believers sing the same songs in all the churches. That's what happens with village hymns. Now let me say something about the ministry to children. There are about four of them, five of them that we support. But before we get there, I want to remind you that we believe we start in the womb. Okay? We start in the womb, and then we go all the way to, in this part, to youth. So we acknowledge that life is in the womb at conception. Anybody agree with that? Amen. Okay. So we want to support ministries that protect those lives. We know the days are already numbered before one is born. And David said... I can already see where you were already knitting me together in the womb. God's mighty hand was doing that. And then in John the Baptist's case, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon John the Baptist in the womb. Luke 1.15. John the Baptist. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord, John the Baptist. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drinks. He, he will be filled with the Spirit even before his birth. So do you see the value that God puts on that child in the womb? We recognize that and we honor him and we support ministries like Love Life. How many went to the Love Life prayer walk here? Raise your hand here. You have many, many, many. So it starts and begins with prayer. It begins with prayer, and it has changed people's lives. In fact, I, I just, she's here today um, with Love Life, one of the directors there, and I was told this past week or in the past few weeks that over three people right here locally at that place that we prayed, that I think three families have been touched and three babies have been spared being murdered. Amen? So it begins with prayer. I believe they have said in the last five years, over 2,600 2, babies' lives have been saved within the last five years. Praise God for that. Then we support Hope Pregnancy Center. So now, once they're in the womb, and then they're starting to come out of the womb, Hope Pregnancy Center has a lot to say about that. Since 1997, Hope Pregnancy Center has saved over 7,366 babies. You and me are a part of honoring God when you tithe and give your offerings to Jesus Christ. This is where some of our resources are going every single week and month. At the very least, $100 all the way to six, dollars $700 a month goes to about 17, 18 ministries. You are a part of the great commandment to go into the world and help the hurting and win the lost. How about ministry to our youth? Remember what Jesus feels about, how Jesus feels about children. I know when I grew up, children would be to, were to be seen but not heard. Did you grow up that way? 
Here's what Jesus thinks about children and kids. One day in Matthew 19, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Well, we agree with Jesus that kids and youth are very important. So as you give to Jesus, as we honor him, we are a part of helping. You guys heard about it last week, four kids. We have a ministry to four kids now here. And uh, we believe the Cassidy's who come here, they're leading that and heading that up here locally. And they bring uh, babies and teens. And, uh, they want you to adopt and foster these kids who have no homes. I, I believe last year here, I think they said 265 homes here locally, I believe that's locally, opened up their home to kids in need. 2020, 860 total kids were served across all the programs from four kids. So we praise the Lord. We join in that ministry. We, we, also, we also support sharing. We, when you give to Jesus, it's about him. I, I always ask Jesus to help me make sure I don't separate what we're talking about from him. Everything is attached to him as he's listening. He's honored by this. We're honoring him by paying attention to the hurting. And Sheridan House, we support Sheridan House, which is right down the road. And we have the elder, I think Alder, Alder, Alder uh, uh, Amy and uh, John are with us and they are one of the leaders there that help that whole place in Sheridan House. And their mission, at Sheridan House Families, Inc., is to honor Christ by serving the needs of the children and families in the community. And since 1968, they have reached over one million families, touching them with the gospel in some form or fashion. Praise God. And I know they've helped people within our own church right here because of a divorce and a family couldn't make ends meet. And they bring him in there and they house him and they take care of the kids or they help kids that are a problem to parents. And they help the boys and girls and they do many other things. Uh, they have a counseling center. So when you give, when you give. It's going towards this ministry also. First priority, you're familiar with that, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We support both of those ministries, and I've been on the board for many years with, with, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I believe uh, this last year right here locally, remember, go and share the gospel. 369 salvations in first priority, and there are thousands in Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they've been saved because they have over a, they're in over 107 countries around the world. So we believe in the gospel, in caring and loving children, because the Bible said we must come to him like a little child. So he values children, and so do we, beginning in the womb. This facility here is because you are faithful, and for 40 years, Christians were faithful to give to God, and you are in a debt-free facility, and I've made a commitment never to put a burden upon God's people voluntarily, and as a result, for over 20 years, this church has been debt-free, and we don't beg or plead for resources. When we ask you to give, you, we just ask you to give, and you give to God, and we're directing you to where some of these resources are going to, but you help this facility. Without this facility, we wouldn't be doing these things. And here's some of the things that we're doing in this facility. But remember what 1 Corinthians 10, 26 tells us. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
This facility is God's. I understand that. I'm a manager, and I want, I'm going to give an account for that. And God's blessed this church. He's kept this church free from diseases in this past year and a half. He's met our needs. He's opened this up. You've been able to link arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ and enjoy fellowship. And he wants his name to be honored, and he knows it's honored here. And we're doing a lot. We opened up this church for over 10 years to homeschoolers. Praise God, those, those mothers who want to stay home, that don't go out and get another job just so they can have more things in the home. And they want to raise their kids in, in a great education and a religious education. They want to teach their children themselves. So we provide a place for them. On Tuesdays, we have a group. On Wednesdays, we have a group all day. On Thursdays, we have a group all day. And then on Fridays, they meet to do drama and things like that. That's just in this facility right here. Then we have churches that meet here, Covenant Church. That's the church, the South Korean church that's going to become a, a Southern Baptist church. By the way, we helped them all last year when they were going to leave and, and they would have split up and they wouldn't have been able to enjoy fellowship. We came along and said, we're going to sponsor you and we did as a church. And God saw that and he blessed us with Redeemer's Place. Redeemer's Place was, me, they, they started the church a week before the COVID hit. A week before the flu hit. Uh, a week before disaster hit. And, and commotion hit, and they were, they were out meeting at a park outside. They were just about to sign a lease for, within two years, paying $10,000 a month for 2,400 square feet. So we invited them to come here, and they blessed us, and they're blessing us by paying rent here, which offset the other church that was not paying any rent. See how we gave and agreed as a staff to honor this church and give to the church? And within one week, God blessed us with a church that offset what the other church couldn't give. Amen. Can you give God the praise for that? That was a miracle that you know very little about. And don't forget again, VLC exists because of your faithfulness to give to God and honor Jesus Christ. A couple other things before we ask our missionary to come up our live missionary. Those defending Christian rights we support, that's Liberty Council. By the way, I was on the phone many times with them last year, making sure I did all things right so that the law enforcement wouldn't come in here and arrest you <laughs> and arrest me. I was thinking I was going to jail. I, told, I tell you, I always drink my coffee black just in case I have to go to jail because that's all I get in jail is black coffee. We support Liberty Council, a nonprofit organization that doesn't charge for its legal services, and the ACLJ, not the ACLU, the American Center for Law and Justice. We sponsor both of those ministries. They stand in the gap for many churches and pastors who've been sued and told to keep their mouths shut, and they help open up our mouths once again, and they don't charge for their for their services. Praise God for that. You are a part of that when you give to Jesus Christ. And then starting churches nationally and internationally. Remember what the scripture teaches us in Romans 10, 14. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? 
And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And so that we embrace that truth. And therefore, we want to support mission efforts that start churches all here, all over the world. By the way, we have started our own Spanish church. Well, it's a Bible study, which we pray that will turn into a church, Spanish church here on Friday. Our own Javier leads that up on Friday. So if you'd like to become a, bar, a part of Spanish church or, or Spanish Bible study on Fridays, they're meeting and invite them out. Some, some of the second generation want to be in a service where they speak uh, English, but some of the parents don't know it well, and they have a place to go to, and we're sponsoring that. By the way, Gulfstream Baptist Association, I'm on the board of directors there. Listen, we're a part of a denomination. They don't tell us what to do at all. I just want to remind you of that. It's an umbrella. Almost every church comes under an umbrella. I am proud of what the Southern Baptists do. I have most of my education from there, but I get my marching orders from the Word of God, not from a denomination. I just want to remind you of that. They don't tell us what to do. We voluntarily, voluntarily support them, and there are many good reasons why. They, there's over 147 churches locally. We sponsor a director of mission who goes into those churches and helps them grow, helps with conflict, helps start churches, and such matters like that. So we support that. Locally, we support them starting churches here in Gulfstream Baptist Association. We support Cuba. You've heard of Ricardo that's come out here a couple times and has spoken. Remember, $100 that we give from here, or 200 or 300 goes a long ways in Cuba. He's part of a Calvary chapel in Havana, Cuba. So see, we, we support missionaries through denomination, and we support individual missionaries ourselves. They reach souls in a communist country for Jesus Christ, zeroing in on Havana with a population of over 2.13 million people. They were established in 1997. Right now, Cuba is generally, it's in terrible shape, he just told us recently. And he said it's the worst he's ever seen it. And the people are starting to stand up to the police in large groups with sticks and rocks and bats. Praise God for that, for standing up against tyranny. Okay, that's what we do. When you give to Jesus Christ, you are given to these missions. That's about 16 things so far. I want to give one or two more, and that's it. Also, I told you about Gulfstream Baptist Association here locally, but we support missionaries all over the world. I don't know if you realize it, but Southern Baptists are the largest denomination in the world. We are proud to join um, over 47,000 churches around the world. What Southern Baptists do good is this. Everybody does good. You could say something bad about almost every person or every denomination. Focus on what they do. That's good. And as long as they aren't preaching any type of heresy, stand with them for what they're doing good. And I stand with Southern Baptists for what they're doing good. And what they do, if my son and daughter wanted to be a missionary, for example, they would pay to have them trained in the language. They would pay for their, for their education. They would pay for their living. They would pay for their home. They would pay for their retirement. They would pay for their health insurance. And they would not have to leave the mission field to go and raise support. They, we have over 37 thousand missionaries excuse me i'm sorry three thousand six hundred overseas missionaries three thousand fifty seven domestic missionaries and five hundred and twenty uh new churches have been planted this year 
in Southern Baptist life. So we are a part of giving and matching funds with other churches that in turn send missionaries locally and all over the world. We, you and me are a part of that. When you give to Jesus Christ and you are faithful, sometimes you think you're doing nothing, but you and me are a part of, part of these souls being saved. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So when you and me give, we are part of linking arms with other saints, other churches, and seeing the gospel advance. One more before our, our missionary comes up. Evangelism explosion. We now are a part of evangelism explosion. I don't know if you realize it, but they train and equip people all over the world to win people to Jesus Christ. Guess how many people in 2019, that was the last record I got, actually were led to Christ? 11 million people. Now, you know, praise God for EE. And by the way, we're going to be training and equipping this church in EE this fall. This fall, we're going to train them again. And every, you guys know every year I pass out one of those tracks and actually preach on it. So you are equipped to know how to lead someone to Jesus Christ. We want to partner with these kinds of missionaries and these institutions that are winning souls and they are actually helping people. Well, we come to our last one, but not least, Kenya. So I'm going to, at this time, ask Jacob and Matt to come up front as we talk to our live missionary, not on, uh, not on uh, YouTube and a Zoom, but we're going to Zoom in on him with our beady eyes, and we're going to talk about his mission in Kenya. He needs a mic. He, he does have a big voice, but not that big of a voice. Jacob. One more time, guys. Would you guys welcome Matt Elmore? Um, you know, Matt is a, a long, uh, lifelong friend, I think, for a lot of us, my dad and myself included. Uh, growing up, we went to these camps called Global Youth Ministry, and, and Matt served with um, actually my siblings. And so I was a kid, and my first experience of you was wearing some... Some type of like cape, you were some type of superhero. And, uh, and I'll never forget you told this joke um, to my sister. And you don't even probably know this, but she, she was in the drama. She was like, you know, don't you think I'm pretty? And you were like, um, or don't you want to, you know, be with me? And you were like, I'd rather stick a toothpick in my big toe and kick a ball. <laughs> That's what you said. I'll never forget that. And then um, I said, every time I see her, I throw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, so it was a joke. But uh, so that was my first experience of him. And then I got to serve uh, for three months. I got to be a, a part of a, a ministry in Georgia up in the mountains. And um, I got to be a part of, uh, you were my camp director, right? And uh, we did some crazy things. But uh, I got to serve with him for three months. And so this is, this is so cool to, to be up here. And so we're going to learn a little bit about Matt through asking him some questions. So the first question we want to ask you, Matt, is, you were living in Central Florida, enjoying the good old American life. Why in the world would you want to go to Kenya and spend, he, he's been over there for 12 years. What made you do that? Um, well, f first of all, like Jacob was mentioning global youth camps. I was saved at a global youth camp when I was 13 years old in Bradenton, Florida. And um, our church never went back to those camps um, until, I, until I went to college. And I remember I, was at, I graduated from Florida State University. Um, 
I do not like the Miami Hurricanes, for the record. <laughs> He's bold, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I do love you guys. But anyway, so, um, so I, I was at, my mom, I remember, called me and said, hey, Matt, we're at these global youth camps, the ones that you received Christ at again. And they're asking for people to come back and help serve at these youth camps during the summer. Are you interested? And I said, yes, sign me up. So they called me. And um, I did the interview, and they accepted me to do the camps. And they also said, hey, in addition to helping us with the camps this summer, would you like to go on a mission trip with us to Kenya? And I said, sure. So I went on that mission trip. It was very eye-opening. It's the first time I'd ever been outside the country. My mom and dad tearfully put me on the plane, prayed for me. And um, I came back. I served with those youth camps again my junior year. And my senior year, I was about to graduate with a degree in marketing and sales um, from the College of Business. And I figured, you know what, I should do something for this summer internship with business and marketing. But I just felt God pressing on my heart, you go back to Global Youth Camps one more summer and serve. And while I was there, the one who led me to Christ when I was 13, he was preaching, his name was Roger Glidewell. Roger cornered me in a room and he said, um, Matt, what do, you, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I, I really don't know. And he said, well, I think God might have his hand on you to go into the ministry. And I said, well, he hadn't called me. <laughs> and he said, well, what has God called you to do? And I said, I, I really don't know. He says, well, do you want to know? And I was like, yeah. I was like excited. Thing. Maybe he had some prophetic word from the Lord or something, right? He said, if you want to know what God has planned for you, just say yes to him in advance. I said, what, is that? what does that mean? He said, say yes to him in advance in the sense of God. I'll go where you want me to go, do what you want me to do, and say what you want me to say. And before I know what that is, I give you a yes in advance. He said, are you willing to do that? And I said, no. <laughs> and I wrestled, I wrestled with that for several weeks. I'm on stage, you know, playing guitar with... You know, with like with Jacob, with Megan Bramos, and you know the other ones, and even Josh, you know, and and I'm leading, you know, all kinds of other stuff. But I'm just so overwhelmed by you know God. God was like a three year old kid poking me, saying, "You going to say yes? Going to say yes?" And um, and I really just kind of came to the conclusion, really, apart from G, you know, apart from Jesus, what's good in my life? God has been faithful to me in my past, so I'm going to trust him with my future, so I say yes to you in advance. After that, um, a sermon that was preached on calling to ministry, I felt that was for me. There was also an emphasis on missions, and they just, in the camp, they asked, is that, you know, is anybody interested in maybe doing missions for their life? And I felt God said that was me, so I responded to both of those. Then Roger found me, said, I saw you raise your hand, twice. He was watching. <laughs> and he said, are you really serious about you know, ministry and missions. And I said, yes, I am. He said, we got an opportunity to send someone to Kenya. And so to make a long story short, that's basically how I ended up there. It was just, for me, it was the big surrendering to saying yes to God in advance and just being open and willing to do what he wants me Very to do. Very important. Notice that saying yes to God in advance. Amen. Were you, were you married at the time when you left? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So I was married when we left, but real quick on that. My wife, Kelly... She, she was all about it, right? Oh, that's, no. what I, that's what I know. Kelly was, <laughs> Kelly was not for it. So I, but when, when, when I felt called to, to ministry, to, I mean, ministry and to go into missions into Kenya, 
I remember um, my wife and I were dating seriously. We've been talking about getting married. We weren't engaged, but I told her, hey, I feel God's calling me, just so you know, God's calling me to be a missionary. And then she's like, that's great. Missions is cool. It's, you know, something that Jesus likes, right? So she's like, yeah. And so, so then we get married. We move up to Global Youth Ministry headquarters to get trained to go on the mission field. And we're up there, and we had to do, we got to raise support to go and get trained. And we but at the same time, Kelly had never seen Kenya. I had seen Kenya. So we went over um, on a mission trip to Kenya for, for her to see it. And when we were there, she cried every single night. And she said, I will never move to this God-forsaken country. Now, I know we have two Kenyans in this room. She's changed. All right, so... <laughs> That's so, awesome. so anyway, so, but make a long story short, I fasted and prayed and basically God moves into her, her heart after several months. I just kind of left her alone. Guys, I really encourage you, just leave your wife alone. <laughs> pray for her, pray for her, fast for her, ask the Lord to move into her heart. And after several months, she came to me with her Bible open, the Psalm 32 verse 9 that says, do not be like to the horse or the mule, which do you be turned by bit or bridle. She said, I've been stubborn like this horse and this mule. Let's go. Mm. And now we're there, and Kenya feels like another home to her, and we've been there for 12 years. She committed to one, we've been there 12, right? And and you're raising a family there, right? Yeah, and I got a little boy we've adopted named Ezekiel. And um, yeah, so it's great. So so what do you do there? Tell us what what it looks like in Kenya. So uh, what's your role? Our main goal is to try to help um, to reach youth and young adults. Statistically, more than 80% of the population of sub-Saharan Africa is under the age of 35. The average age of a person in sub-Saharan Africa is 15 years old. Wow. And so our goal is to help reach that demographic. And so we do that through five different ministries. Ministry number one is we have a college ministry. We do evangelism and discipleship on 23 different campuses Um, in three different African countries. Ministry number two is we have a crisis pregnancy center. Um, As you're on campus and you run into some ladies, they just don't know what to do. So we want to minister to those young ladies and um, help them as they're going through this challenge of the crisis pregnancy center. So we have a crisis pregnancy center. Ministry number three is we want our students that we minister to and disciple to not just keep you know, the goodness of God to themselves, but to share it, evangelize to others, share the truth of Jesus, disciple other people. So we have a, a way for them to, we have a community center called Pomoja House. Pomoja means together in Swahili. Strategically, that center, what they do is they teach courses on baking, computer skills, um, basic computer skills, and also fun stuff like how to play chess. Members from the community, mostly young Wait, people. Wait, did you say fun stuff? Like fun how to play stuff, chess? like chess. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had fun playing chess. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't have a PlayStation, okay? <laughs> and so we play chess. And so through those interactions, well, our students will share their testimony, share the gospel with them, and, by, and, it's, a, and it's in a Muslim-dominated area. So they've actually led, they led four Muslims to Christ in 2019, and they're still involved in um, the church and, and even you know, discipleship today. Third, fourth ministry is we have a ministry to train churches and to train youth, I'm um, sorry, train churches and even in seminaries, 
pastors on how to reach youth and young adults because we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to mobilize the church there to also do that. In the fifth ministry, we have an online ministry called Kuza. Kuza means to grow. And so we have, we have an app. We have a website that has blogs and videos and podcasts on there. And we reach as many as 75,000 people during the pandemic in 2020 um, through that online ministry. So those are, the, those are the five ministries of what we do. Well, he was over the house last night, and we were talking for quite a while. And Actually, he was at my house Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and I never saw him. And finally, we came home Saturday <laughs> late afternoon. He was at my house kicking yeah. up his feet and enjoying some uh, good R&R. But um, tell me a little bit about your staff and how they help you. I didn't realize how large of a staff is needed and that he has in Kenya. We have, uh, by God's grace, we have, it's myself and one other missionary for our mission called African Christian Outreach. And then we have 50 African staff that work with us. And so, and they're from three different countries of Kenya, Uganda, and Rwanda, because we have ministry in those countries that are active. Our staff are amazing. Um, They really do a lot of incredible things to work and serve with us. Um, They understand the culture way better than I do, because they're born there, right? They understand those things, those dynamics. And so we work together hand-in-hand as a partnership to help spread the gospel to, um, to the people that we reach. And so some stories like 10, 11, 10 out of the 50 staff members are, are pastors. Um, I'm going to tell you just one, one quick story about one of them. Um, one of my staff members, his name is Simeon, Simeon Mite. And um, Simeon, um, his mom was the first Christian in their village. She is the first-generation Christian. Um, She was led to Christ, went through a lot of persecution for people in her village in her area when she was a teenager. She gutted out. They met her and one other person met underneath a tree, and a um, a Kenyan pastor from a local nearby city um, would come by, minister to them every other Sunday underneath that tree. Slowly but surely, more people in the village started to become Christians. Simeon grew up in a Christian home by his mom teaching him the word, teaching him the gospel. And he grew up in those ways. And as Simeon now became a teenager, now the, uh, the gospel really started to spread. More people were coming to Christ. Large numbers. There was a total awakening in that particular village and area. And what was amazing was Simeon now was the most mature Christian. That was a male. And so he actually took grandfathers and you know, older fathers and all these people and taught them the, the, the truth of God's word and discipled them and then spread the gospel. And I love walking with Simeon around in the village. He's now a bishop of churches. He's, helped, he's in charge of um, 11 different, uh, no, sorry, 36 different churches in his area with his denomination. But he'll want, he planted himself nine different churches. And some of the pastors from those nine different churches, he'll go around and he'll say, that guy, Matt, was a drunk. This guy beat his wife, and now they are pastors. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing. You know, that's just one story of our staff. We got, they're just incredible people um, that love the Lord. Another one real quick, a guy named Sammy. Sammy grew up in a family. His grandfather was a witch doctor, actively involved in, in some forms of worship of, of the devil. And... Um, and so Sammy's father, through the efforts of a particular missionary, received Christ and raised his boys and even his daughters. He had nine children. All of them were saved. Now, walking with the Lord. Sammy in particular grew up in that household of faith and grew to tr- treasure the Lord. And um, 
What's amazing is Sammy led his grandfather to Christ. Right before he died, he led him to Christ. He led his grandmother to Christ. And so a family that was actively involved in witchcraft and, and those things now completely changed on a dime. It's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. What would you, um, you know, what would you say, because you're here now, but you're going back over there. When? July 21st. Okay, you're going back. What would be, like, the biggest challenge that, you know, with all the things that you're doing, what's the biggest challenge that you face over there? There's a, there's a number of challenges, but I would say, like, from a ministerial standpoint, one of the biggest challenges that I feel like we run into over and over again is um, it kind of stems from a couple different things, but there's a lack of training, I think, for a lot of uh, pastors in general. Um, they're just not understanding, like, some of the truth of God's Word. Um, we've run into people that have no idea what what righteousness means. You try to ask them to explain the gospel. They're just like, believe in gospel. You know, believe, believe in Jesus. Do good things. It's about the extent of what they'll say. And some of the effects, I think, of this lack of truth and understanding from God's word is the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel, for those of you who aren't really familiar with that, it's basically a, it's a statement that says, you are guaranteed health and wealth if you just have enough faith. And if you have enough faith to say the right things and basically give some money um, towards this particular pastor or person in the ministry, you are guaranteed to have health, guaranteed to have wealth. So it's basically like you can control God. And this, this idea of the prosperity gospel is really devastating to a lot of people. And I would say that we run into a lot of challenges with that all the time, that people firmly believe in those sorts of things. And I would say... That's probably our biggest challenge is just dealing with bad theology. But we were thinking uh, last night about a lot of things, and especially some of the uh, persecution, almost being robbed, and put in jail. And that's happened to him just to, just to try to get bribes. So I'm often wondering, why do you want to be in Kenya? Look at all the wonderful things over here that you could be involved in and doing. So he's being obedient to the call of the Lord, and I'm wondering, what brings you the most joy as you serve in Kenya? Um, the thing that brings me the most joy, I think, in Kenya is, is seeing people come to treasure Jesus. I mean, really. And um, some things that make me happy is as, we, as our staff goes out and we train con in conferences to churches, like encouraging churches to reach youth and young adults, um, in 2019 and 2020, we taught 400 conferences. And on average, three out of every four senior pastors that we train to start a youth ministry um, will start a youth ministry for the very first time. And what we see is we see the impact of that in those local churches. Every church that starts a youth ministry for the first time, on average, they add eight people to their church within the first two months. Now, that seems that's like a big number, but most of these churches in these kind of these rural communities have around 40 to 50 people. So eight is a big difference for them. And it's not just youth that they're leading to Christ. It's also adults that are connected to those young people that start coming to church with them. So it's like parents of teenagers and stuff that come to church. And so I would say that stuff like that, seeing churches grow, seeing people saved, um, has been very exciting to us. 
In fact, between 2019 and 2020, just that ministry of 412, uh, we were able to see more than 9,400 people be added to local churches as a result of just us trying to do some pastoral wow, training amazing. and stuff on youth ministry. So those things bring me a lot of joy for sure. To see yeah, that. it's so important to have joy in what you do. You know, you want to have purpose. You want to be fulfilled. And I think so many people are doing things that they don't experience that. They don't. So you have to find it. And sometimes for you, it maybe it's like, I've really got to find it. You know, with COVID-19, how did, how did that drastically change your ministry? What, what was that like? And how was it now with everything that's going on and around the world? So the coronavirus, um, like in Kenya in particular, and like in most countries, you know, we kind of had some stay-at-home orders. Um, the orders in Kenya were a little were more strict than what we had here in Florida, <laughs> quite a bit more strict. And so... Um, so as a result of that, you got to think, there's a, there's a number of people that when you tell them, don't leave your house and don't go to work like you normally do, um, there's a lot of people in Kenya that they make their daily bread that day, or they, make their, or they go to work that week and they make their daily bread that week. Here in the U.S., we're very fortunate, you know, we can, generally speaking, most of us get paid every two weeks or every once a month, right? And so... The problem is there. I mean, people are just really just, they're already, they're already kind of living on the edge, and now they're, you know, you get pushed off that edge. And so there was a lot of hunger, a lot of difficulties. So for us, like, we kind of had to transition a little bit. Instead of us going to teach conferences and stuff, um, we're going to start distributing food and preaching the gospel as we go. Uh, one of my staff has um, a Jesus, what we call it, a Jesus film backpack. So he's got this solar power projector in a backpack. He shuts the screen up someplace, and he'll drive his little motorcycle around, and he'll put it up, and he'll show the Jesus film that goes from, basically, the, it just shares the whole story of the Gospel of Luke in a visual form. And um, you see Jesus nailed on the cross, and there's an opportunity to give people an opportunity to receive Christ. And so he would just drive around to fields and backyards and wherever to share the Gospel with people through the Jesus film. And he was able to lead more than 1,500 people to make a profession of faith. Wow, praise God for that. Amen. So we would do Jesus film slash food distribution. <laughs> and Just, then also, too, real quick, the online ministry really shot through the roof. We were reaching around 20,000 people a week with our ministry, Kuza, um, in January and February. And then in March and April, it was 75,000 a week. So it really just shot through the roof. And we had a lot of more people clicking on a video we had that shares the gospel from creation to the cross, um, a really powerful gospel presentation that we have. And we had a lot of clicks on that. So people were just they're looking for answers, clinging to it. So it was, it was tough, but it was good. Well, one last question before we have prayer. What's a funny moment in <laughs> Kenya? I got a couple. Um, one I kind of share with the praise band earlier is um, one of the worst things I've ever eaten. Um, I went out. My wife and I got invited to one of my staff members' um, houses um, for Christmas. And we were like, they are like, come celebrate Christmas the Kenyan way. So we had a goat. And um, we slaughtered, like, we bring the goat, and it's alive, and it's on a, you know, a, a rope, and we bring it tied up to a tree, and then we slaughter the goat. Ooh. And Merry, Merry Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Merry Christmas. So we eat everything on the goat. And then the last thing that was left was the head of the goat. And it was just literally lopped off. And now they took it. They took the head and then they charred it in the fire. And it was just black. Then they stick that black charred goat head into a pot of boiling water and boil it for quite a while. Then you pull it out of the boiling water and you put it on a pizza pan and put it in the outdoor kitchen just to cool overnight 
So the next morning I wake up, Kelly and I, and we're expecting to have a more normal Kenyan breakfast, right? Well, we're there and the old man, his, his, his house, it's, it's his you know, area, his family lives all around him and he welcomes me, he says, sit, we're going to have breakfast. So I sit down. And then they bring out this pizza pan with this congealed, charred, boiled goat head. No seasoning, no nothing. <laughs> no and my wife grabs me, pulls me close and says, I cannot eat that. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll take one for the team, right? <laughs> and so now the old man, he grabs a piece of the eyeball and a chunk of the cheek Ugh. meat. And he gives it to me and he says in Swahili, Kula, Eat. <laughs> So, so I stick it in my mouth and I bite down and then the eyeball goes you know, <laughs> in my mouth. And I was just like and by the time I get that one down there's another one and he goes Kula. <laughs> so after about three bites of this I told him I'm fine. Thank you. I'm full. Yeah. I'm full. And I'm looking, I'm looking everywhere for my, for my Kenyan staff. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. Sammy, where are you? Where are you? So that was funny. Next, next time, use the fasting trick. I'm fasting, okay? Yeah, exactly. Help you. There's, there's other crazy stories. Do we have another time for another story? Let's go. Right, one, let's go. One more story. One last story. I was preaching the gospel one time in this community center. And there's just one door of this community center. And we're meeting, we have a, the senior, the, the, uh, one of the, the pastor, a friend who was with me, he's preaching in a language called Kikuyu. I don't know Kikuyu, I know Swahili. So I'm speaking in English, he's translating Kikuyu. There's about 40 young people in there. Well, all of a sudden, someone busts in the door. And they're screaming and hollering and Kikuyu and pointing at this guy. And everybody's like, what's going on? And he reaches kind of the inside of his pants and he starts to pull out something. And I see a black handle. And I'm thinking, me and everybody's thinking, gun. So everybody starts running to the door, knocking over benches, pushing each other, you know, elbowing, you know, fighting to get to the door. And I'm even running there. Pulpits knocked over. It was crazy. Then all of a sudden, you can see a little bit more. It's not just a black handle, but you see a blade. It's, and it's like, oh, it's just a machete. So it felt better to see a machete as opposed to a gun. So... <laughs> He pulls it out, and he's kind of drunk, and he waves it like he's going to chop this guy. And everybody tackles him to the ground and starts punching him and beating him and snatches the machete out of him. And they grab him physically and throw him out the door. And then they say, and then they all sit down and say, continue. (laughs) So I had to gather myself, and I continued preaching the gospel, and Eight people received Christ. <laughs> wow. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. I'm going to ask Jonathan, uh, who's a Jacob's friend. And then we have Faith, one of our own uh, ladies here that's from uh, Kenya or has relatives in Kenya and speaks Swahili. So he was speaking this morning uh, to our worship team in Swahili and there wasn't an interpreter. I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. So now we have an interpreter. He, I'm going to ask him to pray in Swahili and I'm going to ask Jonathan to interpret and then we'll have a, a little bit of a song and we're going to leave after that. Baba, katika jina la Yesu Christo. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. 
So now we come before you. We ask that you bring great blessing to this church. May they continue growing in the faith. May they continue to grow um, and know their Bibles. And that you may answer their prayers. May you help them to preach the gospel to all these communities. I pray that you also help uh, Pastor Ron and Pastor Jacob to preach the gospel in an effective manner to everybody. Give them strength to continue in the walk of faith. I say thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just before he leaves the stage, in the back, in the back, there's a table that um, I think some of you have gotten a card on the way in. And what is a way they can help you in uh, supporting the mission in Kenya? Uh, two things. One, we got some clipboards. Put your name and your email address down, please, to get our newsletter so you can be praying for us. Second thing is I have some cards back there with a picture of me and my family on it. Please pray for us. Put that card on your refrigerator. And also on the back of that card is how you can support us. Please consider supporting us um, above and beyond your tithe on a monthly basis if you're interested. Thank you. Amen. We, we as a church support him, and some of us in this church individually support him above our tithes. So we want to encourage you, if God's laying on your heart, to be faithful to the Kenya ministry. Be sure to go by the back desk and uh, let him share some more stories with you. Would you give him one more round of applause for coming and visiting us? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.